The Sunday Review with Tim Graham. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of The Sunday Review. Coming up, the Association of Optometrists warns us that nearly a third of people living in the UK could be forced to struggle with poor vision due to the cost of living crisis. Adam Streeter, estate manager at Leonardsley Lakes and Gardens, enlightens us about this year's Leonardsley Illuminated event. And Mary and Phil Coombs from the East Grinstead Concert Band are here to tell us about their upcoming Christmas concerts. Plus, Samantha Day chats to Tony Birkbeck from Park Farm Cottage about beeskeeping and beeswax products. Carrie Overton finds out from Radha McCafferty how good nutrition can help women going through the menopause. And superstar and national treasure Basil Brush tells Paul Tolmy all about his new charity Christmas single. All in the latest edition of the Sunday Review. The Association of Optometrists is warning 22 million people in the UK could be being forced to struggle with poor vision due to the cost of living crisis. A survey shows 70% of optometrists have seen a patient in the last three months who needed vision correction but took no action because they couldn't afford to. With me now is Adam Sampson, Chief Executive at the Association of Optometrists, and Megan Dancer, who struggled with the cost of eye care. Adam and Megan, welcome to the show. Adam, if I can start with you, what else did this latest survey tell you? Well, it's not just what optometrists think that the survey indicates, because what we did, getting that result saying, you know, our members think that there's a problem. So we did a, a public poll um, of a thousand members of the public, and that showed that two thirds of people who wear glasses are simply putting off going back to the opticians um, because of the cost of living. That's what's showing. I mean, in other words, if you if you do the maths, that makes about 22 million people in this country that are currently wearing glasses that are probably out of date for them. Um, and the consequences of that are for them and for us as a society potentially huge. I mean, not just for them as individuals trying to squint to see text that they can't read properly or being not as productive at work as, as, as they might be or even driving when they can't see properly. But that's also meaning that they're not getting the health of their eyes checked. And that could create a, a ticking time bomb later on down the track. So what could some of the long-term effects be then? Well, when you go and see the opticians, uh, the person that does the eye tech, uh, test, who's technically called an optometrist, this is not just somebody who whose job it is to see whether you know you're, you need a new pair of glasses. They're also doing a very complicated um, clinical uh, examination of the health of your eye and your body generally. So they're checking for signs of glaucoma or for cataracts or, you know, in extreme circumstances, things like diabetes and cancer. Now, if you don't get your eyes checked on a regular basis, those things can go, uh, you, you know, the, the signs of early indications of long-term eyesight problems um, can be missed. Uh, and that means by the time that you eventually do get your eyes checked, it might be really difficult to do anything about um, a developing eye problem. So it really is a health uh, crisis that uh, is waiting to happen unless people actually go and get their eyes checked on a regular basis. Now, Megan, you've struggled with the cost yourself. Can you explain some of the issues you've had? Yeah, so at the moment I've got a pair of glasses, but they aren't uh, ideal. They, they've got a wonky arm on them and the lens is popping out. I keep kind of putting it back into place to, to keep it going. Um, but also the prescription is, is outdated. I know my eyes need um, a, a, another check and a, probably a, a stronger stronger lens in them. Um, but I haven't gone to see the uh, optician because I, I can't afford to go um, and to pay for the upfront test and whatever the, the cost of the glasses are um, that I need to get. That's clearly an upsetting situation to be in. How's this affecting your daily life? 
Um, so I use my glasses for long distance for driving and for watching television, things like that. Um, so if, when I'm driving along, I can I, I can see what's in front of me. I can see where I'm going. But if I'm looking at a sign, road sign, um, it's not until I get a lot closer that I can see um, see the writing on it. So that, that's a worry for me when I'm driving around. And also if I'm, if I'm watching television, um, I, I kind of start to get headaches and things like that um, just because my prescription is not right or I'm just not wearing the glasses because... I don't want them to break any more than they, they have done. Um, oh, I don't like wearing them out because they're wonky and it's embarrassing or if the glass, uh, the lens pops out. And what help would be most effective to you right now? Um, I think further help from the government, really. Um, so I know that there's a there's a voucher scheme, but I don't qualify for that voucher scheme. Um, I've got I look after patients in my in my role in my in my job, and I just don't think the voucher scheme is also um, that widely known about. Um, so you know, I often help people get that voucher if they don't know about it. Um, and I think it probably needs to you know increase in in cost because everything else is increased in cost. So the voucher needs to co- cover more really for, for people. Adam, what is the voucher scheme and who exactly is eligible? If you're on benefits or if you are under 18 or if you're past retirement age, then you're entitled both to a free site test and to um, uh, a voucher which pays for the first usually £40 of um, the cost of your glasses. Now, that's been essentially kept at the same level for more than a decade. In the meantime, obviously, we've seen, and particularly in recent times, um, a massive increase in inflation. So in real terms, the voucher um, buys much, much less than it used to. And it's actually, um, there are people now who are simply um, priced out of being able to buy a new pair of glasses. What we really need in a world where government is, yes, they've uprated um, uh, the old age pension. There's a discussion about uprating um, benefits in line with inflation. They must uh, actually uprate the voucher value as well. In addition to that, of course, um, if you are in a position a bit like Megan is where you're working, but if your job requires you to be um, using um, computers day in, day out, then you know your employer has a responsibility to um, help you or at least consider helping you with your eye care. So many employers now, um, certainly in every job that uh, I've done uh, over the past few years, the employers have uh, a duty um, to contribute towards uh, the cost of an eye test and the cost of a pair of spectacles. So, you know, if you don't qualify for the voucher, but you're still in the squeezed middle, um, then go and talk to your employers. The final thing you can do, of course, is to talk to the opticians. You know, our members know about the cost of living crisis you know our members also many of them experience the cost of living crisis in their personal life and in their professional life they understand that the people walking through their door may be struggling financially and um, they offer a range of different ways of paying for um, uh, your spectacles and a different range of, of, of lenses and frames to deal with people with different income levels and different expenditure needs. So don't just assume you're priced out. Go and talk to your optician. So where can people go to find out more information about some of the topics we've talked about today? Go to www.aop.org.uk backslash cost of living. And that will help you, first of all, get information about how to manage your own costs but also, frankly, we need to be putting pressure on government to uprate the voucher system. That's what we're calling for the government to do today. So if you want to support us and if your listeners could support us by um, nagging their local MPs, that would be really good. So that's the way um, that we, you can help us. Go to www.aop.org.uk backslash cost of living. That's great. Adam, Megan, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you very much. And as a reminder, for more information on the importance of regular eye tests, NHS-funded eye care, or to support the campaign, 
visit aop.org.uk forward slash cost of living. That's aop.org.uk forward slash cost of living. We'll post a link on Twitter at SundayReview107 and on Facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. Leonard's Lee Illuminated is now in full swing, meandering through the magnificently landscaped Grade 1 listed gardens at Lower Beeding near Horsham. I spoke to estate manager Adam Streeter to find out what the event is all about. Illuminated, it's its fourth year now, and um, it was really something that when we um, took over the gardens in 2017 and reopened in 2019, it was really something that we just knew we had to do some sort of light trail, some sort of light show. We'd seen them at other gardens, other estates, and we knew that we could do something extra special and kind of bring something a little bit different and well the fact that we're in our fourth year shows that we've at least done something right and uh, yeah, allows us now every year to keep building upon it. Is there a particular theme this year? We tend to keep the theme fairly sort of ambiguous we try to steer a little bit away from the kind of the traditional Christmassy side of things and more create a bit of a winter wonderland so you know in itself walking down into the valley is kind of takes you into a, another world anyway but I think with the with the lights and the installations down there, it really sort of makes it quite magical. So I guess I'll leave it up to everyone's imaginations. So give us a, a little taste of what can people expect to see. Um, well, we've we've got kind of our, our our signatures. So we've got the the, the Leonardsley Moon and the Earth, which have always been kind of staple parts of Illuminated since the first year. Um, but we've now changed things up a little bit. We've taken you on a on a slightly different route. Um, there's, there's different characters also um, across the route. There's also an amazing installation towards the end, um, which is interactive, so you can actually um, you know, touch parts of it and then different sounds, different lights come. come. So, I mean, it's definitely, I don't want to give too much away because there's, there's a lot to see, and I think, um, yeah, I think it's, 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 it's best to experience it for yourself. Now, I believe you've got some performers as well dotted along the trail. Yeah, absolutely. And we're also doing, um, you know, slightly different. We kind of make it a little bit tougher for ourselves. But, you know, it's, it, even if you came on multiple nights, it could be slightly different. So different performers um, depending on different nights. So, you know, one night you might see uh, fire breathers. Other nights you might see fairies that are going to be um, talking to you in their, in their magical land. Um, so it's, it's all sorts. So really, I don't even know what to expect half the time. <laughs> So, sounds good. How long does it take to get round the whole trail? Um, completely depends. I'd say a, a good average is a good hour. Um, it's um, definitely you, some people sort of go for a very brisk walk and off they go and, and out the other end. But you know, definitely a, a good hour. And people tend to really, especially if it's a, a nice, still, dry night, stay down there and really sort of immerse themselves in it. Is there accessibility for people with wheelchairs, pushchairs, maybe additional needs? Are you doing anything special for them? We've we've tried in the past. We've had we used to have a buggy service that ran. It was very tricky to do. So we we do have um, we have a few mobility scooters that we hire out. Um, we do also sort of guide people on on their own personal ones that they could use. It it, it is tricky. So it's definitely something to to bear in mind because the the natural landscape is. A valley so what goes down must come back up um, but you know we I've, I've just been around now and you know there was there's um, lots of people of all different ages and abilities and, and mobility scooters all sorts that were doing the trail and enjoying it so I think it's, it's definitely a way and now importantly are there any refreshments available on route <laughs> absolutely I mean uh, we are a, a wine estate as well so we definitely always make sure we've got some sort of wine bubbly on tap um, so yeah, we've we've um, there's there's a there's huge amounts, I and mean, we've got now marshmallows and fire pits that we're doing out the front. We've got our fun fair. There's the bar there. Um, we've got va various different foods. We've got pizzas. We've got burgers. We've got vegan foods, and again, that, that can also change throughout the the few weeks that we're going. So li literally something for everyone. There's a Christmas market as well, I believe. Yep. Again, the Christmas markets um, out the front. So that's actually something. You know, even if you weren't coming into to the trail, um, the Christmas market's out the front. That's open to everyone, so no charge at all. Um, and again, that's all local people. That you know, it's it's um, you, you definitely find the the closer it gets to Christmas, it's all those 
all those people doing their last minute shopping and getting all those those final bits so there's um, lots of nice little bits to buy now it seems like quite an undertaking how long does it take to put something like this together um, <laughs> it really is I mean it's I think because of everything that we've done at Lennersley it's been big so you know from the restoration um, you know that was a big job so actually now putting on these events they they don't seem quite as um, daunting as they first were but I mean we've got a, an amazing team and we we have we work with the same team on the whole each year so you know I always sort of say it's kind of you know Christmas is coming when they all they all turn up and you know they've been here for the last two weeks and they really work into the night so it, it, it takes a lot of time but there's you know that th throughout the year we're having constant meetings to, to sort the program so I mean a lot of work and a lot of love goes into it and uh, yeah, we just hope everyone enjoys it. Now having just had a walk around yourself what's your favorite part of it? Oh, my favorite part. I, I mean, it, without a doubt, by the time when you get down to the lakes, the lakes are just completely transformed into another world. So, I mean, it, you, you feel like you're in the middle of a, of a theatrical kind of performance or a music concert because the lighting, the music so dramatic. There's the smoke coming down the valley. And, you know, you do, if you do a 360, you've got, you know, the, 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 the earth, the moon, the stars, and they are—they're not the real Earth, Moon, and stars. They are, you know, the installations, and um, it—it it, it really you can't beat it. So, how much are tickets, and how can people book? Um, so, tickets are eighteen pounds, but we we do also have um, what we've done this year is actually for Lennardsley members um, is that they could get a ticket for free. So, sign up, become a, a member for free. It's a single ticket um, membership, a joint membership, family memberships. Um, and that means that you you, yeah, you you don't pay anything to come into Illuminated, um, but otherwise, you know, there's there's uh, on some of the Saturdays and Sundays they're you know slightly higher prices, but um, yeah, it tends to be 18 pounds. But I, I my my advice is for everyone to sign up, become a member because you know you've got the, the discounts, and then we also have lots of other events throughout the year, and we're looking to try and include those in the free ticketing. So. Um, yeah, that's probably, uh, that would be my top tip. <laughs> Fantastic. Lennersley seems to have gone through a bit of a transformation over the last few years. Uh, you mentioned about having a wine estate here now. What else is there for people to enjoy at other times during the year? I mean, we really, we're trying to tick every box and, and really have something for everybody. Um, so we're, we've got lots of plans on the go at the moment. Obviously, everything... Um, revolves around sort of planning permissions and, and, and getting those permissions but you know we're looking to put in a really amazing um, sort of natural playgrounds for, for kids so to really you know I've got three kids myself they live on the estate you know they they love to come and see the wallabies but at the end of the day they also kids and they want to play so yeah looking to put the playgrounds in we're also looking to um, build and expand our, our cafes and restaurants offering um, so larger buildings for that and really um, improve and increase our offering in that respect and and also new gift shops new recep reception a new art gallery I mean we're pretty much trying to build a, a, a small city here I think so um, yeah every year is different Adam thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today thanks a lot Leonardsley Illuminated is spectacular and as Adam mentioned the installations at the lake are truly breathtaking it's open today, then again from the 7th until the 21st of December, with trail start times available every 15 minutes from 4.15pm until 8.15pm. You must book tickets in advance online at leonardsleyilluminated.co.uk. That's leonardsleyilluminated.co.uk. The website also contains more information about the trail and the other available activities. We'll post a link on Twitter at SundayReview107 and on Facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. The East Grinstead Concert Band have been performing for almost 50 years. To tell us more about their upcoming Christmas concerts and the band in general, I'm delighted to be joined by Mary and Phil Coombs from the band's committee. Welcome to the show, both of you. Mary, if I can start with you, tell us a little bit more about the history of the band. Yeah, so it was formed in the 70s from the original town band um, and it's been going ever since really. So we've still got a couple of the original members from when it was formed um, all those years ago, which is quite something to be able to say really. Absolutely. And what sort of instruments make up a concert band? 
So it's brass and woodwinds. So we've got flutes, clarinets, and oboe, bassoons, um, trumpets, trying to get some more trombones. Uh, I play French horn, so that's from that side, saxophones, tubers, euphonium, percussion, and I've probably missed one out, but essentially it's woodwinds and brass. <laughs> okay, and how many members does that equate to? We've probably got f between 30 and 40 members that play um, on a regular basis uh, tend to have a band of kind of around 30 for most gigs there's no kind of requirement for everyone to play a certain number of gigs it's all it's a very relaxed band um, we kind of we're all there for fun so yeah kind of play lots of gigs throughout the year and what sort of music genres do you play is it is it quite wide-ranging it really depends on what the occasion is. I mean, for Armed Forces Day, we do a lot of marches uh, and uh, sort of wartime music. Um, we, when we, uh, we marched into the high street for Remembrance and we played a lot of, uh, obviously, march music for that. Um, but then we've also been on tour this year where we've done a variety of show, show pieces, Doctor Who, um, Sound of Music... Stevie Wonder before, um, bit of uh, Aretha Franklin. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a real variety. Uh, there's something for everyone, uh, every single concert. So once you've got a piece of music in mind, how long does it take to rehearse and, and put together a show? <laughs> so um, we rehearse every Wednesday um, for a couple of hours there, and it probably varies. There's some bits which we can pick up pretty quickly, Others, we're, we've been rehearsing um, a piece called Candide for a while now because we practice it on and off for uh, kind of get it n nearly there and then uh, other things come in and we start rehearsing for those. So we then have to pick it up again a bit later. So there's some pieces, we do try to have something that's a bit more challenging um, for kind of each concert, just so that it takes us a little bit more to get into it and it's, it's kind of a bit more interesting for the band. Um, but there's always some other pieces which are a little bit more straightforward as well. You mentioned, I think, that you were on the lookout for trombonists at the moment. So if someone's interested in joining the band, what sort of experience do they need? So it's about a grade five. five. Uh, we tend to say just because um, then you should be able to kind of pick up a lot of the pieces and do um, play those. Um, but I mean, I've always said that when you start playing in a band, it improves your um, kind of ability and technique so well, much anyway. You, you listen to other players or other sections, you pick up the ebb and flow of the music and, you know, um, it, it's quite it's quite encouraging as well because, you know, you, you've got people around you who have more skill or less skill, but it, it's all um, a bit of a community in the band as well. Yeah. So yeah, it's, there's lots of encouragement. Yeah, uh, we are also looking for flautists at the moment as well. So any trombonists and flautists, please uh, drop us an email either through the website or direct to our email address. What's your story? How did you both become involved in the band? <laughs> um, one too many beers on the Germany tour, I was <laughs> um, As a non-playing member of the band, um, I'm, uh, I do the social media and support my wife with the marketing side of things. <laughs> Um, but obviously Mary uh, yeah so I joined funnily enough through it was my brother knew one of the members daughter so he was trying to get into a band at the time but didn't have time so suggested that I join the band so that he could uh, get along so um, yeah that's how I drew how I ended up coming it was a little uh, <laughs> bit of a roundabout way I think normally people either see the band playing and then come along or there are quite a few people who know someone in the band and get roped in that's the way these things usually work isn't it um i understand you've got several concerts coming up over the next few weeks so where will people be able to see you perform oh we've got a variety of places uh we are at the blue Bell railway uh, on friday the 9th uh, for their carol service which is it's it's such a lovely evocative little um gig to do standing on a platform and, and singing uh, Christmas carols and then uh, we're, we've got our Christmas Spectacular which is Sunday the 11th of December uh, which is uh, a ticketed event it's £8 for adults, £6 for concessions, under 16s free 
and uh, at the interval, we're, uh, we'll be welcoming you to enjoy a glass of wine or a soft drink and a mince pie with us uh, to, uh, to enjoy a bit of a refreshment. Tickets are available on the door, uh, but you can also buy them in advance through uh, Eventbrite if you just search the event. Uh, and also uh, you can go to Bullfrog up in East Grinstead. Um, they're, they're kindly selling tickets for us there. Uh, we will be accepting um, card payments and cash payments on the door. Uh, so uh, even if you don't you know, get your tickets in advance, uh, we'd love to see you at the event. And that's uh, 2 p.m. Sunday, the 11th of December at St. John's Church in Felbridge. There is one last concert, which is uh, Carols Round the Oak Tree uh, at St. Mary's on Winmore Lane. Um, it's a lovely little um, concert. Um, the vicar does a beautiful little service and uh, it's just outside. And it's, it's yeah, it's just a nice little run up to Christmas. Um, and then we've got some next year, uh, which are already in the diary. Things like uh, Tombridge Castle, um, and we're uh, we're going back to the Edenbridge and Oxted show, uh, which will be quite exciting. It sounds like you're going to be particularly busy over the next few weeks. Is this normal for you, or is this just because of the time of year? Uh, we're normally throughout the year. We've got a, a good variety of of concerts going on. Um, but especially Christmas, I think every concert band in, 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 in England is busy around this time of year, uh, doing lots of different fun events, uh, supporting local uh, community centres and churches and, um, you know, going into play for, uh, for nursing homes or, or you know, um, pop up Christmas markets, wherever they may be. Um, it just it brings that little bit of atmosphere to, to Christmas. Um, but yeah, it's, it's always always a busy period with the uh, EGCB. Yeah, always good fun though. I mean, we kicked off Christmas um, <clears throat> with the light switch on and the big reveal up in the high street in East Grinstead. Um, so yeah, Christmas started early, yeah. but yeah, it's it is it's good fun and it's nice. We've got because we play different kind of variety of Christmas things, so we kind of play the lighted mute tunes around the kind of light switch ons and the car around the oak tree. And then we can get some of the uh, kind of bigger Christmas tunes out for the main Christmas concert. We've got Proclamation of Christmas, Christmas Festival, Sleigh Ride. Santa comes to... Santa, comes, Santa Claus comes to Dixieland, which is always a band favourite. Um, and a few carols for people to join in on as well. I should say for those that get or kind of slightly more Grinch-like and get dragged along for the Christmas concert, there are a couple of non-Christmas tunes in there that are kind of the basically some of the band's favourites that we've played kind of at our tour and through summer this year. So there is a little bit in there that is non-Christmas as well. But they're spectacular pieces. <laughs> Excellent. Reminders, if people are interested in finding out more about the band, becoming a member, or just want to know about where they can see you in future, uh, how can people get in contact with you? Uh, so they can kind of email us at egcb.inquiries at gmail.com or to find out about our events, you can either have a look at the website, which is www.egcb.co.uk or we are on Instagram at eg underscore concert band. We're also on Facebook, if you search for East Greenstead Concert Band and on Twitter at East Grinstead CB as well. So we tend to probably put a bit more up on the social medias than um, the websites, probably slightly more basic, but we do tend to kind of keep everyone up to date on the social media channel. So please uh, follow us and like us on there. That's great. Mary, Phil, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks very Thanks much. Thanks very much. Thanks for having us on. For more details on the East Grinstead Concert Band, you can visit egcb.co.uk, that's egcb.co.uk, or find them on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. We'll post links along with the upcoming concert details on our Twitter at SundayReview107 and on facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. In her Open for Business show this week, Samantha Day found out all about beekeeping and the byproducts from Tony Birkbeck at Park Farm Cottage near Maresfield. Well, we started keeping bees about five, six years ago. We kind of like just fell in love with the hobby. Um, we're very passionate about bee conservation. Now, we then got to the point where 
somebody asked me, what do you do with your beeswax? And I said, well, you know, we just make the odd candle here and there. And then I got suggested about making beeswax food wraps as a perfect alternative for clean film. And I really, really liked the idea about producing a sustainable product, which is a byproduct from our own bees. So really, that's how Park Farm Cottage Bee Products started three, four years ago now. We run it ourselves, just my husband and I. We're both Tony and Tony. <laughs> that's um, a bit confusing. <laughs> it is confusing, but nobody ever forgets our names, so it's really good. But it's something that we do together. We really, really enjoy doing it. We love making the products. We love telling the people about the products. But I think what makes it really unique um, is that we are beekeepers. So we're we're passionate about doing it. And everything that we make for our little business goes back into looking after our bees. That's wonderful, isn't it? Is that a lot of work, looking after your bees? Yes, <laughs> it is a lot of bees. I mean, we currently have about 26, 27 hives. Oh, wow. Um, and if you think in each hive, there's about up to 50,000 bees. So that's a lot of girls to look <laughs> after. We were averaging um, in the height of the season, going through them on a Saturday, and it was taking us up to about eight hours. Oh, my so my husband is retiring at the end of February. So he's going to be doing a lot of the um, what we call out apiaries. And he'll be looking after the bees there. And then we literally will just go through our, our bees that are close to us on our farm at the weekend. So I can keep my hand in the beekeeping and everything. So when you're saying about the um, hives, are they put somewhere else in the in the peak of the season? No. So we have three apiaries and they are in Maresfield, Hadlow Down and Barkham. And the apiary in Barkham, we manage for the Brighton and Lewis Beekeeping Society. So we look after that as apiary managers. And we do a lot of the training there for Brighton and Lewis as well, what Tony does. Um, and then our other apiaries at Hadlow Down and Maresfield are our own apiaries that we look after and where we get all our honey and our beeswax from. Honey. honey. Is it runny honey or is it on a, I'm going to say a frame? Honey comes from the beehive, obviously, and that comes from a frame. And... You spin that frame out once the bees have fanned the honey to reduce the water content. We then spin that honey out and that goes into a jar. So some beekeepers will cut up the um, comb in the frame and you can buy comb honey. But we like to not give the girls any more to do. So we actually spin the, the honey out of the frames and then we give the frames back to them. And they can do what with that? Feed off that? They Well, first of all, they clean that up and they take all the residue honey out of it and, you know, reuse it, feed themselves with it and everything. But it's kind of like a... Um, a furnished flat ready to go. They haven't got to do anything for it next season. So it's all drawn out and it's all ready for them to fill up. So come March, when we put those frames back on, um, they're all lovely and pulled out wax so they can hit the ground running, really. They're amazing, aren't they? They really are, yeah. It can blow your mind, to be honest with you. And, you know, we're, we're six odd years into beekeeping and we really are only just touching the surface with it. There's so much to learn and they don't read the books either. So, you know, you can think <laughs> you're doing it right. And then they turn around and go, well, no, you're not. <laughs> now, other than the honey, do you have side products? Yes, we do. So... The wax that we get from our frames, 
Now, we collect all the wax that we cut off the front of the, what we call the super frames that have the honey in, because obviously we need to get that honey out. So we, we collect all of that. And through bee husbandry, we make sure that the frames in the brood boxes of the hives, where the, the whole nest is really, we make sure that we rotate that every year or two. So we will melt that down and that is what we use to make all our beeswax wraps with, along with our candles. And um, we're actually branching out soon into soaps as well. And that will have our own beeswax in too. Oh, lovely. I mean, it's got that smell to it, hasn't it? It's beautiful. Mm. And burning beeswax as a candle actually purifies air. So it's many, many hundreds of hundreds and hundreds of years ago, churches used to burn animal fat candles and it would produce a really, really dark smoke. And they eventually found out that beeswax would burn perfectly and you wouldn't get that that horrible dark smoke from it and it absolutely smells gorgeous too now let's just go back to your beeswax um food wraps and also yeah. bags that you make can you just yeah. enlarge on that a little bit about what are they what use so are they they are 100 percent cotton which we have then impregnated with a very special blend of beeswax jojoba oil and pine resin now what that does is that creates a food wrap that is sticky and it's antibacterial, antifungal. It's totally reusable over and over again. They will last you a good year, two years, depending on how well you look after them. And looking after them is just giving them um, a quick rinse under the cold tap or a quick wipe with a, a nice clean cloth. You can cover sandwiches with them. It's perfect for covering blocks of cheese in the fridge because nobody likes sweaty cheese. They are breathable as well, but they just are the sustainable product instead of single-use plastics, which, you know, we really, really have got to do something about. And this is, this is really our comeback to, to stop all those those plastics being used. We can refresh them as well. We sell our little refresher blocks and you can refresh them at home if you feel like they're not getting, um, they're getting a little bit less sticky. So that's something that we can do too. But it's all about no waste as well. So if that wrap is getting to its end of its life, you can use it as a fire lighter. And you can also put it on the compost heap so there's zero waste to it because when we trim all of our wraps to make them nice and neat we then roll them into little balls and make fire lighters there's there's zero waste to everything that we do and that is another a thing we don't want to be putting more waste into landfill and everything no, no. but they, they should last you a long long time when they're the wraps is that like a little envelope so you can pop food inside it yeah, so we do wraps, which are nice flat bits of sheet, if you like. And that's really good for covering bowls and wrapping up sandwiches or blocks of cheese. But we also make our pockets, if you like. And we do a small pocket and a large pocket. Now, these are really good because you, what it means is you can just pop anything in there and scrunch the top over and it's sealed. So you can take them to put your sandwiches in, your rolls for work or out on a picnic. You can chuck things like your mushrooms in there in the fridge and it will stop them going off so quick. I use mine as well to put my carrots in. So my large produce bag that I make, I've made them big enough that you can get quite a quantity of food in there. I keep my um, carrots in there, my broccoli, and it just keeps that, that veg crisp um, for a lot longer. So it's also about making sure that we're not chucking food away and it's not going off before we use it. But, you know, there's there's lots of different things. We also make little toppers, which are nice little squares, and they can go over like the end of your cucumber or the half of a lemon. 
um, and it just stops it going off so quick. And once you've got a set, you'll suddenly realise how much more use is. You can wrap your bars of soap in them if you're going away. You can cover your toothbrush in them if you're going away. Whatever you will use a plastic bag for or clean film for, you can use a, a beeswax wrap. Now, do you do anything special for Christmas? So, yeah, we have um, this year, we've obviously got our beautiful gift bags and our gift bags contain a small small jar of honey in there, a beeswax candle, a pack of wraps and a bag of bee bombs. Now, bee bombs are wildflower seed balls that we, um, we also sell that you can put in your garden and you will get lovely wildflowers that encourage the bees in your garden. So we do this really unique gift bag, which is lovely. We also do the starter pack, um, which has our pack of three wraps in it. It's then got a large wrap and our large produce bag in there too. But this year as well, we've done a very special pack of Christmas material for your Christmas season. And you can get a large, a medium and a small. And they're really beautiful, actually. And they've got little Christmas booties on there (laughs) with some gold thread through it. So really Christmassy and lovely. So we have quite a few different products. And we are going to be doing bee experience sessions. Now, these will be for three hours. And during that, we will pop you in a bee suit. We will tell you what we're going to do. But most importantly, it's a complete hands-on experience. There's no sitting in front of a slide projector looking at things or bits of paper. You will be coming to the apiary with us. You will be going through a hive of bees. We will be explaining to you all about the bees and everything. And Tony will be showing you everything to do with beekeeping But then you will also get that opportunity to handle those bees and go through them yourself. At the end of that, we will give you some honey tasting. So you can taste the difference between shop-born honey and proper, beautiful Sussex honey. And at the end of that, you will get a goodie bag. So it's going to be a really, really good experience. We're only going to have a maximum of six people in the group. So it's nice and intimate. I think it will be really, really good, actually. Tony Birkbeck talking there to Samantha Day. For more information about Park Farm Cottage or to purchase products, visit parkfarmcottage.co.uk. That's parkfarmcottage.co.uk. You'll also find them at a number of local Christmas markets this year. We'll post a link to the website on Twitter at SundayReview107 and on Facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. This week on Wellness Weekly, Carrie Overton spoke to nutritional specialist Rada McCafferty, who helps women going through the menopause to feel like their old self again. I work with women who are struggling with menopause symptoms, Mm -hmm. and we've all experienced know about or experience the more usual ones like hot flushes and weight gain but there are lots and lots of other ones as well and so the ladies that I see have often tried other other ways of trying to cope with the symptoms but these other things they've tried just haven't worked and that's Mm. usually when they come to see me and so what I do is to help support these women so that they can create healthier habits um, so that they can move forward and transition through menopause and come out the other side, mm. you know, in a really healthy fashion. Because we have to remember that we'll spend longer in postmenopause than we will have done in our reproductive years. Mm, you know, that's we may, we may, you know, if we finish menopause around, I don't know, sixty, sixty-five, we could live till we're eighty. We could. It's a long block of time, and we need to be in a really good place Mm. I think yeah absolutely I agree sorry I interrupted you there there's a lot more awareness of menopause now isn't there I know people like Davina McCall yeah yeah yes I was gonna say that Davina's done you know a great thing by really bringing it to the front of people's minds um, with her documentaries but you have to remember that not everybody does really well on HRT it doesn't work for everybody I get women who come to see me who are on HRT and who are still struggling 
but there is still a lot more that can be done to help support Gosh. you know women as they transition through even if they're on hrt and especially if they're on hrt actually to make sure that their bodies are you know processing those drugs in a way that is benefit beneficial to them that's interesting you say that about um hrt i i have heard it doesn't work for everybody mm. but that people even on hrt i think i'd sort of thought that it was a bit of a cure or you take your hrt and bing you're back to normal but from what you're saying that's not the case we still need to really look after absolutely ourselves. yeah i mean it's like a lot of, a lot of things you know lots of we've been brought up i think with the way that in the west anyway the way that medicine works is mm. that you know you have a symptom you go to a doctor you get a pill yeah and then everything will be fine but the reality is i think particularly for a lot of chronic conditions that there isn't a magic cure-all pill mm. you may end up taking lots more pills right to offset the effects of the the one that you started with and that's where nutritional therapy can really you know be used to you know huge benefit I mean, everything that we eat affects our bodies, mm. for good or for bad. So that you are what you eat is... Oh, that is absolutely true. <laughs> absolutely. So true. Yeah. yeah. We literally, we are, you know, everything we eat or drink or breathe in or put on our skin affects our bodies mm. 100%. And you can't get away from that. So as a nutritional therapist, mm. it's interesting you said that about things you put on your skin. Mm. Would your work with people also include things like that? Oh, absolutely. Really? Oh, yes, yes. I mean, it's known that certain chemicals that are put into beauty products and hair products um, can affect the way your hormones function. We're talking about, you know, for a long period of time. So, yes, part of what I do is to, to encourage women to switch to less chemical products. So it's a very holistic... Yeah, nutritional, you, uh, yes, it yes. is. Nutritional therapy is very much a very, it's a whole person therapy. We're not, yes, of course, we look at the symptoms because that's what people come mm. to see me for or see nutritional ther therapists for. But it's also about looking for the reasons why, you know, why have you got those symptoms? Mm. What's, what's been on your path or mm. your road that's led you to that place where you've started to experience the symptoms? So it's about being a bit of a detective and working back. So what brought you to nutritional well, therapy? Well, well, well. Again, it was because of um, something that happened to me. So I've always been interested in natural therapies. Um, and I've used homeopathy for many, many years. Used it on starting with my youngest child, actually. And it was when I broke my wrist back in 2014. And I went to see my homeopath, a homeopath. And it was her, she was really interested in food and how it affects your health. And it was working with her that got me interested in nutrition. And then the following year, my youngest daughter went off to uni and I thought, right, now's the time. If I'm going to study, then this mm. is the time. And I happened to see an ad, coincidentally, for a college, the College of Naturopathic Medicine, actually, in London. And I thought, oh, I'll go to the open day. So I went to the open day and... My journey began three years later, 200 clinic hours later wow. and nine and a half thousand words later. Um, I qualified as a, as a nutritional therapist. Wow, fantastic. What would you say are the benefits to nutritional therapy? Okay, so I've, so I've, yeah, I've already said, you know, that everything we eat and drink affects how our bodies work, not just physically, but emotionally too. Um, and I think there's a bit of a disconnect in many people's minds about the relationship between food and good health. I think we've forgotten mm -hmm. how important healthy eating is and how much our health can be impacted by not eating enough of the right kind of foods. And actually, you know, if, if we think of ourselves like a car, mm -hmm. we need to fuel ourselves properly in order to not break down. So what would you say are the biggest no-nos? Oh, I would say highly processed food. Right. I mean, ultra-processed foods. I mean, it's interesting. Lots of foods do go through some kind of um, pro food process. Even something like olive oil, actually, mm. is processed to some extent. Yeah. I mean, extra virgin olive oil is the least processed. Um, but ultra-processed foods... 
So what's that? What does ultra processed so food So it can mean? be some ready meals. I mean, things like crisps, all those sort of highly baked foods or things that contain a lot of oils and fats that we don't want to be eating, yeah. that, aren't nat- that haven't been produced naturally, they're artificial themselves. Hydrogenated fats we talk about a lot on. But, yeah. So would you say... For anybody listening, <laughs> snacking on a bag of crisps as we speak. Is it is there a case of a little bit of what you fancy doesn't do you any harm or should they be absolutely avoided at all costs? Oh, no, I'm a great believer in a little, a little bit of what you yeah. fancy does no harm. Yeah. Um, and the occasional pack, fine. It's when you're doing it on a daily basis. Mm. You know, there are many, many, many other things that mm. you could be snacking on if you need to snack. And that's something that I work together with my clients on, you know, is once we start to put, you know, different um, systems into place, you know, really looking into what they're eating, that mm. quite often the need to snack goes away. Right. Oh, that's interesting. Because it's more, it's quite often the issue is that people are not eating enough of the right kind of foods, mm. that for whatever reason, they've cut food groups out or felt, you know, oh, well, I shouldn't eat be eating full fat that's been the latest thing things like that it's usually a question of adding things back in right because that's sort of not what I expected you to say (laughs) I expected you to sort of say about being possibly more restrictive certainly like not eating the foods I think we all know are bad for us Mm. but it's interesting to hear you say about people cut too much out these days and put things back being restrictive is is the worst thing right I feel and it is often the case it's adding more of the things that you should be eating. Right. Such as? Oh, well, let me think. Say, for instance, if you're vegan, mm. then you're not going to be eating, obviously, you won't be eating meat, but you won't be eating fish. And there are key nutrients that are in fish and meat that you cannot get from plants. Right. Sorry to cause offence. I hope no, I'm not offending any I'm vegetarians vegan or vegans. Yes. Oh, well, so there we go. So there <laughs> no, will be th- several things that you will be missing from your diet right. that you will need to supplement because you just you can't, can't get, get them. It. It's just not possible. Very interesting. Mm. You've talked about the benefits. How has this nutritional journey that you've been on helped you personally? So as I think I said earlier, I I think of of nutritional therapy or myself as being a bit of a detective. And I think that's what the journey has been like for me. I've become a, a health detective. So, you know, initially I started studying because I wanted to help myself. You know, I couldn't believe that just taking some medication from the doctor was the only way forward. Mm. So it was about helping myself, really. So, and it's about piecing together bits of my biological puzzle, basically. Right. And has it had a positive impact on you and your health and well-being? Oh, definitely, yeah. definitely. I'm much stronger now, I think, now than I was when I started studying, even. Right. So it's not necessarily true that the older that you get, the the less well absolutely not no I think you know I've had people say to me actually you know oh well you know I'm I'm getting older therefore you know it's no surprise I've got x y or z and I think well no actually getting older isn't a reason to 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 suffer Mm. from aches and pains or whatever Mm. the issue is you don't have to you yeah you don't have to be like that aging isn't about you know getting more ill how can people get in touch with you right. and what can a session, okay. what does a session look like? So people want to would like to find out a bit more about nutritional therapy, then they could go to the BANT website. So that's the British Association of Nutrition and Lifestyle Medicine, and that's bant.org.uk. And if they'd like to get in touch with me, um, you can find me at radsnutrition.co.uk. And I'm also on Instagram and Facebook. So I work in programmes um, that run for 10 weeks because it, the reality is it takes time for people to feel the changes that they make. Um, you can't do it overnight. It's just, you know, our, our bodies do not mm. work like that. They don't. Um, so during those sessions that we have, you know, my job is to support and motivate my clients and make it as easy as possible for them to put into place the things that they need to do to reach their health goals. Um, I think people are often scared of change. They think they'll have to do something really strict like eat 
lettuce and drink water for the rest of their lives or that I'll be around knocking on their door if they don't um, and nothing could be further from the truth right. and that, uh, so what I do is personalize nutrition um, so my job in our sessions together is to find the solutions uh, during the programs mm. um, to make sure that the program fits them because we, we are all different we all like different foods we all some of us react to different foods, yeah. so it can't be, there's no one-size-fits-all with yeah. nutrition at all. Rada McCafferty talking there to Carrie Overton. To find out more about the work Rada does, visit radsnutrition.co.uk, that's radsnutrition.co.uk, or for more information on personalised nutrition in general, visit bant.org.uk, that's bant.org.uk. We'll post links to both on Twitter at SundayReview107 and on Facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. On his mid-morning show this week, Paul Tolmy was joined by superstar and national treasure Basil Brush, who, as well as appearing in Panto in Windsor again this year, has also just launched a new charity Christmas single called Boom Boom, It's Christmas Again. Very excited to be here to talk about my... Christmas single, uh, and funny enough, as I'm actually on my way to pantomime as well, it's all going on at the moment for the brush. Yes. But the Christmas single I'm so excited about, I haven't been this excited since Dirty Gertie from number 31, the best marrow in the village fate competition. No, quite. So I, I, I'm actually heading for a number one position in the chart. If, I, I, I said to everybody, if I do get to number one, I promise you all I'll run for ten because we'll be due a new Prime Minister by the end of January. Y so yes. I think I'll, I'll be putting myself forward with Mr Blobby. Yeah, yes, that would, that would be quite something, wouldn't it? You're in number ten with Mr Blobby as your deputy. Absolutely. I just think we'd make a magnificent front bench, also with Zippy and George, because they're all in my Christmas single. We've all become great friends since we made it. Would you believe last April we all got together to make the Christmas video? I mean, dressing up as Santa Claus and having snow on your, on your nose in April is, is a very funny experience. Well, imagine, um, imagine we if it had been in July when it was the heat wave. I, I know, I couldn't imagine that, especially Mr Blobby with the heat wave, but it was a bit cooler in April, and, and it was very funny. We were in Rosby Hall in Lincolnshire making this magnificent 12-minute minute video epic that is now out on YouTube. Of course, the single's a little bit shorter, but it's all raising money for the Shooting Star Hospice and Save the Children. I do these Christmas singles, you know, every single year. We never quite get to number one. Uh, I don't think we've made it into the top 30 quite yet, but the awareness for the charities is what it's all about, and it makes me feel Christmassy in April when we make the video, which is great fun, and I'm rather thrilled. Absolutely. And um, so, Basil, I, I have to ask, because I'm a huge nostalgia fan, how did you get such an illustrious group of people together? I mean, you've got Bungle, Zippy and George, Mr Blobby, the, the Piptons, Mr Spoon. I know. I know we've got them all. Well, they're all my friends, to be honest with you. We, we all worked together so many years ago. I mean, obviously, I'm still working lots, and they're all sitting at home with their feet up most of the time. So they were thrilled just to come out and have something to do. But brown envelopes always help, um, stuff with jelly babies. And, of course, we managed to get heck of the dogs as yes. well from uh, CBBC. He came on. All my friends from my CBBC series from 2013, they're all in it as well. There's somebody in this video for everybody, no matter what their age group is. Yes. And it's a great nostalgic look back in time yes. um, of, of all your favourite childhood characters. So I'm rather thrilled that they all came out. To, and lots of people do come out to help the charity. And we, we, should, we, we should mention as well, of course, Mr Derek. Ah, who we all, who we all very, we, we all very sadly miss, of course. That's the pièce de la résistance. Is Mr. Derek at the end? He does come out to yeah. read my Christmas story. I'm not giving anything away there, no. but it's something to look forward to. As Mr. Derek at the end of the video, I mean, he's, he's no spring chicken anymore, as none of us are. No. But to have him there is the pièce de la résistance at the end of the video to read my Christmas story at the end of my Christmas video. I'm rather proud of that. So it's a, we're very thrilled to have made it. And I've got to say, we, we got a Just Giving page so that everybody who took part in the video, we were able to get them little bits of petrol and some little bits of sandwiches and things like that because they help us help others with our singles. So um, you know, every single penny that you download from iTunes or you stream will go towards the charity. And we'll, we'll pop all the links as well, Basil, so if anyone wants to get the single, then they, then they can do that. We'll, we'll make sure that everyone's uh, got that. So, what, so you're, you're doing Panto this year down at, uh, down at Windsor? Yes, absolutely. Funnily enough, last Friday was the busiest day for me ever because not only did we open the pantomime, we launched the Christmas single, and in the evening it was I was on QI with Sandy Toxic as well. So it was, it's been a busy couple of days for the Fox. And would you believe, once I've spoken to you today, I'm hopping into my rose canardly 
that rolls down the hill and can hardly roll up the other side. <laughs> boom, boom. I always have Kate Bush playing in the background when that happens, running up that hill. And I've got to say, um, I shall be heading straight off to see the whites of the eyes of all the kids screaming, boom, boom, bezel, at the tops of their voices. Yeah. It's Christmas again. Yeah, you, you must be so glad to be back on doing Panto again, though, after the few years that we've had, I'd imagine. Well, well funny enough, Windsor was a marvellous venue, even during COVID. We managed to put the pentamine Oh, you managed on. to put one on? Oh, wow. For one week, we lasted before we were closed down yes. um, by all the regulations. So we managed to, and that was a very strange one because nobody in the audience was allowed to shout. And they all had to be two metres apart from other families. So it was a very strange um, house to come out and say, hello, boys and girls. And they had to wait. Uh, but yes, I'm heading off now, as you say, to the pentamine at the Theatre Royal Windsor with Anita Harris. She's playing a baddie this year. Oh, I'm wonderful. I'm couple of years and this is my ninth year at the pentamine i must be either very good or cheap i'm not quite sure which one uh, but I'm i do pretty, love i'm, I'm the, pretty confident it would be the former basil ah you're very kind i've got to say the windsor audiences are extraordinary because they know what they like and it's very loud in that beautiful theater opposite the castle and you never know kate and wills might just pop across with their kids just to have a little look we're rather hoping they might because edward and sophie and their children always used to come and see us in recent years, so I'm rather hoping that Kate and Wills might just think it's a nice place to go for a little Sunday morning stroll and watch the pentamine. Wouldn't that be nice? That would be very nice. Boom, boom, it's Christmas again, and by Jove, I've got to get off because it's pento again. Yeah, we won't Ta-ta, detain you any further. Ta-ta. Thanks, Basil. Take Bye-bye. care. Bye-bye. Boom, boom. You can watch Basil's Christmas song on YouTube or help to support the charities Save the Children and Shooting Star Chase Children's Hospice by downloading or streaming the song from your favourite music service. You can also see Basil in Sleeping Beauty at the Theatre Royal in Windsor until the 8th of January. More information is available from theatreroyalwindsor.co.uk that's theatreroyalwindsor.co.uk or by calling the box office on 01753 853 That's 01753 853 We'll post all the links and information on Twitter at SundayReview107 and on Facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. And that's it for the latest edition. We've got all the information on the features you've heard today on Twitter at SundayReview107 or on Facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. I'll be back on air next Sunday morning from 10am on 107 Meridian FM or on meridianfm.com or you can download the latest podcast. Until then, take care and have a great week ahead.